Welcome to Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This is class number 13 entitled The Word of Wisdom. This will be part one of two discussions where we tackle one of the great doctrines presented in the Doctrine and Covenants. As we saw in our last class, the scripture given to us by the Restoration is the Doctrine and Covenants. It is a wonderful piece of scripture. We illustrate that this week as we examine a deep doctrine that often goes unappreciated or kind of brushed over because it's just something we're so familiar with. I invite you to join us as we re-examine the depth of our doctrine found in the Word of Wisdom. This is part one, the principle with promise. Last week we talked about uh, the scripture of the restoration, not I mean, the Book of Mormon plays a prominent role, but the Book of Mormon was not written in this dispensation. The scripture that was written in this dispensation is the Doctrine and Covenants. So we took a look at the power of studying the Doctrine and Covenants, how to study the Doctrine and Covenants. It's a little bit different because there's not that storyline. You do need to understand what are the circumstances here. Then you can say, when am I in that same circumstance? Because the truth is, God doesn't speak to individuals. Doesn't mean he doesn't love individuals. He just speaks to the circumstance they're in so that it becomes generic for anyone in that same circumstance. So what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks, and by the way, there's no class next week, Thanksgiving, no classes all week long. So what we'll do today and then what we'll do in two weeks is I want to just talk about the most prominent doctrines found in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, We'll start with one today and we'll take a look at a couple of the most significant. Now, a lot that's in the gospel. Let me just push that chair back. A lot that's in all gospels is the same. It's the same gospel of every dispensation. But the Doctrine and Covenants provides some unique things for our dispensation. And what I want to begin with is one of the most influential in my life and yet one of the least understood truths of the restoration. And I think the reason for that is this section of the Doctrine and Covenants has two major layers. And we confuse the two layers. And we get accused of being hypocrites because other people confuse the two layers. So let me see if I can present the two layers and then let's separate them. I don't think we're gonna get through both tonight. Positive we won't. So unfortunately, we're gonna have to separate the two layers by two weeks, but bear with me. Turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants section 89. The Word of Wisdom, affectionately known as the Word of Wisdom. But again, the word of wisdom has two very specific and very different layers. And it's when we mix the layers together that we appear as hypocrites and people don't understand our doctrine. Doctrine and Covenants section 89, layer number one. And I'm going to lay it, I'm going to call it that. I'll over here say layer, I can spell. Layer number one, verse three. The Lord declares in verse three that the doctrine, that the word of wisdom is, give me the phrase, let me pull it up. We'll read it together. The word of wisdom is a principle 
with promise that is adaptable. Okay, that's layer number one. A principle with promise. Oh my goodness, I hate when I do that. My head is two steps ahead of my mouth and I'm writing what's in my head. That's layer one. Now just, we'll come back to this, but principle with promise has to do with the laws of health, the laws of revelation, the way we take care, take care of our body. That's pr- layer number one. This layer says, if you treat your body poorly, it will affect your spirit. Now, verse four is layer two. And these are very, very different, very different concepts. So let's do layer number two. I'm going to do it over here so I can spread it out. Layer number two, verse four. Who wants to read? Abby? Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord of you, in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarn you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. So layer number two is the word of wisdom is a warning about a conspiracy. Give me a synonym for conspiracy. Secret combination. It is a warning about a secret combination. And so the Lord is saying, okay, I'm going to give you this word of wisdom because conspiring men are trying to destroy you. Now that is a completely different layer. Now this is where it gets confusing and people accuse us of contradiction. For example, I don't know if you've ever been accused of this, but you Mormons are hypocrites because you won't drink coffee because it has caffeine in it, but you'll consume massive amounts of caffeinated drinks because they assume that the word of wisdom is saying caffeine is bad for you. Now what they're doing is they're confusing one of these with one of those. And we appear to be hypocrites. The reason we don't drink coffee isn't because it contains caffeine. The reason we don't drink coffee is because there's a conspiracy to destroy our lives with it. Coffee is over here. Coffee is not necessarily over here. And that's the problem with the word of wisdom is we, we, we bring these two layers into one message and they are not. And I know that will make a lot more sense after we've covered the two layers. But I want to say it now so that as we go through, you can begin to say, oh, I can see that layer. And then as we go through layer two, oh, I can see that layer. Two very different messages in one brilliant section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Okay, so I'm assuming you want to do layer one first and then layer two first. Second, sorry, that sounded weird. I'm assuming you want to do layer one first and then layer two second. 
unless anyone wants to change that course. I came prepared to do layer one. James, you've heard them both. Do you care? All right, layer number one. I don't think we realize how significant this doctrine is. I teach a gospel and mental health class I have for years. And it is built upon this principle of the gospel. And if I could just get tonight's layer one into your head and how deeply it runs throughout the whole gospel, I will have done my job today. So I need to start in section 88. Doctrine and Covenant section 88, verse 15, is a declaration of doctrine that to my knowledge is only believed by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is one of the most profound doctrines you will ever read, and it is unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. No other religion will teach this doctrine. Section 88, verse 15. I think the Lord just dropped a bomb, and then he dropped the mic and walked out the door. Section 88 is all about Jesus and the different images of who Jesus is. Jesus, look at verse 13. Jesus is light, life, and law. And then the next section, look at 14 through, Jesus is life, light, and law. It's all about Christ. But in the middle of that, the Lord drops this incredible bomb on us. The soul of man, the essential building block, the soul of man is what? Body and spirit. The soul of man is body and spirit. If I am missing my body, I have half a soul. If I'm missing my spirit, I have half a soul. My soul is not my spirit that came from heaven. My soul is body and spirit connected. There is a sacred connection between body and spirit. And when they are combined, I have a soul. When I'm missing one, I am significantly missing something. Now you would think, especially people who have broken bodies, you would think that going into the spirit world would bring a sense of relief to them, wouldn't you? Being freed from the pain of the body would bring a sense of relief. But if you want to flip to section 138, what did the spirits in the spirit world view the absence? How did they view the absence of their bodies? Look at verse 50. What's the word? 138.50. Bondage. Because they were missing a part of their soul, right? The spirit isn't freed. The spirit isn't relieved when my body is taken away. These spirits looked at the absence of their bodies as a bondage. In fact, you'll find that all throughout that section. Um... Look at here. Chains of death. Rejoicing in the hour, their deliverance from the chains of death. Now, sometimes people consider death a deliverance, right? 
but they wanted to be delivered from the chains of death that took their soul. Do you see the doctrine? Body and spirit have a unique connection. Now, let me just emphasize that. That is unique among the Latter-day Saints. I love this quotation from James E. Talmadge, one of the most brilliant men that has ever walked this planet. If you've ever read Jesus the Christ and you understood half of it, you are one of the most brilliant people that have walked this earth. James E. Talmadge was absolutely brilliant. And he made this observation. We have been taught to look upon these bodies of ours as gifts from God. We Latter-day Saints do not regard the body as something to be condemned, something to be abhorred, something to be subdued in the sense in which that expression is oft time heard in the world, chastity belts and all of that. We regard it as the sign of our royal birth that we have bodies upon the earth. We believe that these bodies are to be well cared for that they are to be looked upon as something belonging to the Lord and that each may be made in very truth the temple of the Holy Ghost, a place into which the Spirit of God shall enter and where he shall delight to dwell. It is peculiar in the theology of the Latter-day Saints that we regard the body as an essential part of the soul. Don't most religions think your body's your enemy? Read your dictionaries, your lexicons, and your encyclopedias, and you will find that nowhere outside the church of Jesus Christ is the solemn and eternal truth taught that the soul of man is the body and the spirit combined. Now think through the ramifications of that. I'll erase layer two. We'll do that next week, next two weeks from now. Think about the ramifications of that. I, I, in, because I teach a mental health class, my family, I have a lot of people in my family that suffer with severe mental health. My daughter suffers with depression. My brother took his life because of, I believe, an undiagnosed case of depression. In preparing to teach that class, I sought out everyone I knew that struggles with mental health issues. And you know what they all said? When I get depressed, I struggle to feel the Spirit. And that depresses me that I can't feel the Spirit. And I just thought, that shouldn't surprise you. If this is my body, and depression is pulling this down, what's going to happen over there? Are you not expecting something to happen over there? You think they're independent? They are not. If something is pulling this down, then what's going to happen over here? It's going to pull this down. It's going to pull my spirit down. Anything that pulls my body down will pull my spirit down. You shouldn't be surprised if depression pulls my body down and then has an effect on my spirit. Now that's the bad news. Tell me what the good news is. Here's the antidote. Here's the secret. Here's the whole gist of the, the class I teach. Anything that lifts my spirit does what? Lifts my body. 
believing false doctrine, a loss of hope, unforgiving hearts, letting the wrong people into your life. Anything that pulls down my spirit is going to do what? It's going to pull down my body. My depression doesn't need help. Anything that lifts my spirit will lift my body. Now we get to the doctrine of the word of wisdom. Anything that lifts my body will lift my spirit. The very best way to increase revelation in your life, I think better than prayer and fasting, the very best way to increase revelation in your life, tell me what the Lord's about to teach us, is take care of your physical body. Taking care of your physical body will have more to do with your spiritual life than almost anything you can do. So the Lord says in section 88, the spirit, the, the soul of man is body and spirit. Now, what's the very next section? The word of wisdom. Do you see the connection? So let's get to layer number one. Let's go back to verse three, that the word of wisdom is a principle with promise. So let's see if we can define that. A principle with promise given for the, adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints. Now, clearly that's not tobacco. Do we adapt how much tobacco you can use? Do we adapt how much alcohol you can drink? Well, you people can smoke this many cigarettes and you people can smoke this many cigarettes. Do we adapt alcohol and cigarettes? So clearly alcohol and cigarettes are layer two. So what is adaptable? What is different for all of us? What are the rules that have to do with body and spirit being connected that are adaptable? What is the principle and what is the promise? Well, we're going to define the principle by identifying the promise. So the Lord at the end of the revelation, verse 18, gives the principle. Sorry, the promise. He gives the promise, so we're going to infer the principle. This is how you study the Doctrine and Covenants. Sometimes you have to take a step back. So here's the promise. What's the principle? I want you to look at that verse with a fresh set of eyes. I bet you you've never seen it. I boxed it so you don't miss it. The promise of the Word of Wisdom. Now, I think almost everyone who studies the Word of Wisdom Just a couple months ago, we had had a high councilman come to our ward and the doctrine was the word of wisdom. And I thought, oh, let's see. Let's see if he hits it. Let's see if he does it. And he did the same thing. We quote the word of wisdom and what's the principle? We stop there. How to be healthy. The word of wisdom is how to be healthy. That is not the promise. I know a lot of people who obey the word of wisdom and their bodies are still broken. Notice the promise is a very odd phrase. Health in their navels. 
the promise of the word of wisdom. All saints who remember to keep and do these sayings, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health in their navels, marrow to their bones. The promise of the word of wisdom is a healthy navel. Now look at Daniel's face right now. Guess what he's doing? What does that mean? How old are you, Daniel? 23. I've been a member of the church since I was, and I have never caught that. That the promise of the word of wisdom is health in my navel. What the heck is health in my navel? So what's my navel? My belly button is not my navel. That's the problem is if you look at what is my navel, you're gonna miss it. So the question really is, what was my navel? And that changes everything. Tell me what was my navel? A connection. A connection to what? I shouldn't say what, but you know, what I'm, I'm, you know where I'm going. So allow me to say what? A connection to what? What is my navel? Tell me what is or what was my navel? Say that louder. Okay. Now the doctrine of the word of wisdom is that I have a navel. I am connected to God through a navel. Back then in the womb, I was connected to my parent. I was fed through that navel. Mom gave me food and took out waste. How did I breathe in the womb? I breathed through my navel. How did I throw up and go to the bathroom? Through my navel. Everything good came into my life through my navel and everything bad was taken out of my life through my navel. Now, what's the symbolism here? Now, those of you who have been to the temple, when you stand at that veil and you talk to God, how are you connected? Through the navel. He is screaming out to you to say, you are connected to God through a navel. And if you want my personal opinion, this is not doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is my personal opinion. I believe that on the other side of that navel is still my mom. I think that's what mom, I think that what, that's what mother in heaven does. Is she feeds us. Everything good comes through my navel. Everything bad is taken away through my navel. So why obey the word of wisdom? It brings health to my navel. It increases the flow of nutrients from God. Now that is a powerful doctrine. And if you understand it, it will change what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. If I take care of my physical body, it opens up my channel. It opens up my communication 
with God. It opens up the flow. I control the flow from God by how I take care of my physical body. If I ignore that reality, your spirit is going to suffer. Now that's the doctrine. Let's talk application. Let's list things you do that influence the health in your navel. If we were to reword this, and I know this is not the conversation we have, but the greatest violations of layer one of the word of wisdom. Let's be practical. What are the greatest violations? What do I do on a daily basis or not do that has a tremendous influence on how much is flowing to me from heavenly parents? You're smiling, right? You're starting to make this list. Now we have 25 minutes and we could spend hours on this list. Let's see how many we can list and then talk about to have you say, oh my goodness, that is something I need to repent of. What layer one violations of the word of wisdom are you guilty of? So let's start with, let's start with the, you know, tell me how the word of wisdom began. I love section 89 because the Lord just starts it off and then leaves the rest to us. A brilliant teacher is going to do that, right? Let me give you one and then you guys go figure out the rest. So what, what does the bulk of the word of wisdom talk about? Food. But is that limited? Is the word of wisdom layer one limited to food? Absolutely not. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat it, has a tremendous influence on your spirituality. And why you eat it. The food. Now, what role does food play in our society? Food is pleasure. Food is connection. Food is family, food is rejoicing, and food is also comfort, and food is fuel. Now, somewhere in all of that, as I comfort, as I connect, as I rejoice, I can't forget what reality. My body needs fuel. And if I neglect to give it that fuel, guess what's going to be affected? Your spirituality. Your your connection to God. Bad stuff coming out, good stuff coming in is going to be affected if you don't give this body the fuel that it needs. Not one of you would be surprised. If I put the wrong kind of fuel in my car or didn't put fuel in my car, not one of you would be surprised if my car stopped working. So why do you get surprised when the connection stops working when you don't do the same thing? Now, scale of 1 to 10, give yourself a grade. What's your grade at giving your body the fuel that it needs? At the times it needs it. In the amounts that it needs. For the purposes 
I just don't want to underemphasize that. I want to instill upon you that you control the flow. And I would guess there aren't very many really high grades in the room. Would you agree? I need to do a better job at fueling my body. Missing meals, missing critical meals, wrong types of food. Now that's where I think this, this is significant. Is the answer the same for all of us? Going back to this idea, adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints. Do we all need the same fuels in the same amounts at the same times? No. Babies need a very different fuel than grown-ups need. 54-year-olds need a very different fuel than 20-year-olds need. But are you neglecting to give your body the fuel that it needs? If you are, you are minimizing the flow. Now that's silly when it's so easily changeable. Okay, we've got to do our due diligence and talk about food. But now let's broaden our minds. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room, the one that gets all of us. The biggest obstacle to my physical health and yours is probably sleep. Sleep. Everything that you've been taught and ignored is true. Your body needs sleep. Your body needs sleep. Now there's a discipline that comes there, right? There's uh, an acknowledgement that I want the revelations that God will like to give me. I would like a healthy navel. I would like the flow from God to increase. Therefore, one of the simplest things you can do to increase your revelation is get more and better sleep. And I'm not just talking the hours that you sleep. I'm talking the quality of that sleep. I wonder, don't raise your hands, but how many of you sleep with your phone next to you? And one of the biggest obstacles to your sleep is... Because what do you do? What's the last thing you do before you go to sleep? You scroll your phone. And when you can't sleep, what do you grab? And the first thing you do when you wake up is? Now, don't be surprised if that has an influence on the quality of your sleep. A lot of people, when they're young, have a tendency to be cheap, and they buy a cheap bed, and they buy cheap pillows because they can't afford one. And then all of a sudden they realize, of all the things I should have put money into, the quality of my sleep is one of them. Getting to sleep when your body needs you to sleep has everything to do with the flow of nutrients from Heavenly Father. Get more and better sleep, or in some cases, less. Because guess what? You can't you can't make up for lost food with one really, really big meal. You can't deprive yourself of sleep and then think you can make up for it in one big night. Doesn't lead to a healthy lifestyle, does it? 
Okay, those are kind of the obvious ones. We should probably talk about exercise, right? One of the great truths of revelation is that your heart needs to be stressed out. You need exercise. You need to exercise. Now again, is that adaptable? Do we all need the same amount? Do we need it from the same source in the same way? You're gonna have to figure that out. But here's the problem. Most jobs today, we wake up, we go to work and we sit. And then we go home and sit. So change that. Don't park close to the grocery store. Park far away and walk. Don't take the elevator, take the stairs. Plan time. Do the simple things that will bring revelation into your life. Exercise. Okay, some not so thought out and not so frequently discussed ones. Anyone want to share one? Tell me what you've got. Daniel? Can we talk a little bit about caution of meat? Okay. I feel like that one gets a little... So we do meat. Now tell me which side you're on there. We should eat less or more? Like what the scripture is saying? Yes. Yes, that we should eat less. And I would say, <clears throat> I hope this doesn't shake your faith, Daniel. I hope this doesn't shake your faith. I'm just going to say it and then you decide. Okay, verse 13 has a comma in it that changes the meaning. It is pleasing unto me that they should not be used, comma, only in times of winter or cold or famine. So that would suggest what? Only eat meat when it's an emergency. Guess what? Here is the original Doctrine and Covenants. Is that an I below it? And that's an I. That's an apostrophe. What's missing? There's no comma. So why is it in the... Uh, I have been asking that question my whole career. <laughs> Everyone who knows me laughs because I talk about the, the extra comma in the Doctrine and Covenants. There is no comma there. There is no comma there. That is the original manuscript from which the Doctrine and Covenants is taken. And now read it again. Read it again without the comma. And it says... It is pleasing unto me that they should that it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter or cold or famine. That completely changes it. Now, which reading is in harmony with the way the average Latter-day Saint eats? No comma. Now, that being said, are you wise enough to know when your body is having a reaction to too much or not enough? Or the wrong ones? And that's where it's adaptable. There is no general rule. And the reason I bring that up is to say, don't quote the scriptures and say meat is bad because there was no comma there. 
Now, can meat be bad? Yes, can the absence of meat be bad? I had a daughter that jumped into veganism wholeheartedly, and guess what? Her body had some major, major struggles because she didn't provide a source of protein. Because all of her life, what was her source of protein? And she didn't realize how much protein her meat was providing. And she didn't all of a sudden do that. And her body went through a real shock. So, how much? Which ones? Guess, who's up to, guess who has to decide that? Each one of us. Each one of us. I have eaten a very heavy, uh, very meat-heavy meal. And afterwards, I can just feel the cord between me and heaven is just minimized. I have also eaten meat in such a way that I feel very healthy. You have to find that. James? I think it's important to remember, too, because I've had someone discuss, like, the wheat is, you know, should be consumed and someone's eaten gluten-free. Gluten-free, it's very adaptable. But I think you mentioned it in Romans 8, is it? About yeah. doubtful disputation. Yep. It's like, that's not something that needs to be argued about. Nope. It's not. It's up to me what I do. And again, that's why I come back to this verse 3. Given for a principle with promise, adapted to the capacity. In every one of these, it's adapted to the capacity. So I would say, too much meat, too little meat could also be a problem. Wrong types of meats. And that's where you have to figure out what is best for you. Is that helpful? Okay, let's do some not so common ones. And I want to mention this one first because we just hit daylight savings time. And as soon as daylight savings time hits, the week or two after daylight savings time, I love to just sit back and watch this one happen. How many of you noticed a change in your spirituality and your physical body when we switched to daylight savings time and all of a sudden there wasn't light when you expected there to be light? Guess what you need? Guess what your body needs? Your body needs sun. And when we're in that time of the year when there's less sun, guess what you need to do? Maximize your exposure to light. One of the reasons I love Christmas so much is the way my wife and I decorate. Our house is filled with Christmas trees and lights. When it's dark outside, we fill our house with light. And to me, that's so symbolic. I need this. And some of you work when the sun's out. And when you're not working, there's no sun. And you wonder why you feel sluggish. Well, guess what? Guess what you need? You need sun. You need sun. And if you're not maximizing your exposure to the sun during the winter, you're going to feel it physically and spiritually. Give me another one. I got a whole bunch of these. You guys want to throw them on the table? Relationships. Okay. I need people. I need relationships. I need human. Oh my goodness. I need to spell. (laughs) I need human connection. My body 
thrives on human connection. And when that connection is taken away, what's the effect? Physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. I loved COVID because it opened up a lot of doors. I shouldn't say I loved COVID. That's a horrible expression. You know what I mean. But I appreciate that many doors were opened during COVID. But I noticed we got sloppy. We got sloppy where we couldn't connect. And now that we can, what have we done? We don't connect. Texting is not the same as sitting down and talking. It's not. It's not the same. And if you've replaced talking with someone you love with texting someone you love, guess what the effect's going to be? Spiritual. Spiritual. Because your body craves human connection. That's why we have nights at the Institute to just say, come, hang out. Even if you don't take a class, just come and connect. Just be the church is starting to say we need places of gathering so that we can connect. And one of the bad habits we have gotten into as technology has increased in our life is we have less and less connection. And we've got to change that. I need to increase human connection. Good. Give me another one. Habits, what do you mean? Like, there's like healthy and unhealthy habits. Like, it's good to like, do like your scripture study and like get up at a certain time and like go out and like, go for a walk versus like staying home doing video games all day. I'm going to do needed versus not needed habits. Which means all of these things that we're putting on the list, making it a habit, turning it into a habit so that I do it consistently. I like that. Okay, keep going. What is it? Okay, so my mind needs stimulation. I read an article recently about the most brilliant people in our society all have this in common. And all, there were five items, and all five had to do with stimulating their mind. Your mind needs stimulation. And what does that to you is different for each one of us. My son, it just kills me. Every, I have five married children who've married and gone off. And guess what they all do? Every one of them are obsessed with reading books that I could never convince them to read when they were children. <laughs> you guys need to read more. No, I don't want to read. And now guess what they're doing? They're reading. They spend so much money on books. And I love it because guess what they're doing? Guess what they've discovered? As intellectual stimulation is healthy. And it makes their spirit grow, their mind grow, their body grow. If you are not stimulating your mind, guess what's affected? Your spirit. If you are not stimulating your mind, it will affect revelation and health. Now, going back to this picture, my dear friend, my dear, my daughter lost a dear friend because this got kinked in the womb. Now, if I kink that, what happens to that baby? If you kink yours, 
what happens to you. And we've got to not do that. So, number seven, excellent one, intellectual stimulation. Good. Keep going. James. Okay. Whatever phrase you need, I need ponder, peace, quiet. I just, that's the word I want to use. I need peace and quiet. I always think of what about Bob? I need quiet. I'll be quiet. I'll be peace. You guys never seen what about Bob? Peace and quiet. Now, in your busy, chaotic life, what is taking a toll? Peace and quiet. Your body needs peace and quiet. I'll just let you ponder that. Keep going. Yes. I just think about it, and it's been brought to my attention quite a bit, even growing up. It was like, you always have headphones in. Why are you always listening to music? You always have to have music on in the car. You always, it's, it was just like a, if it was quiet, it's come on. This is awkward. I need to. I, need I have to, to fill the quiet. Fill the quiet. When it's, you need to be quiet with your own thoughts. Yeah. And that can be scary to start, but it, it does bring that inner sense of understanding and for the Lord to actually speak. Yeah. Now, do we need music? A life without music is a less spiritual. And the beauty is, can I adapt the music to my need? Not all music is appropriate for all moments of my life, right? Um, you're probably going to think less of me, but the, one of the best ways, one of my saving graces in order to teach spiritually, there are days where I am not ready to come teach. I am not ready to teach spiritual messages. A little deaf leopard does the job. A little deaf leopard with my headphones in as loud as I can play it. And spiritually, I'm ready. Do you see what I just did? I took a tension in my physical body and I allowed a type and a setting of music to release the tension in my body so that my spirit was ready. Now, when I'm on the way to the temple, I don't put Def Leppard in. It would interfere with my, my, my temple experience. So the ability to know which music is appropriate for right now is key. But I'm telling you, to not take advantage of the music of this world is going to affect you spiritually. Know how to use music to your advantage. Okay, keep going. And our music is very powerful. After, after my accident, like, I forgot pretty much everything, but it seems like I remembered all the music. Yeah. 
Music and memory and connection. Music. Okay. Let me just throw out because we're running out of time. Let's just throw them out quickly. Entertainment. Entertainment. You have to have something to look forward to. You have to have something fun to look forward to. If I can't ask you at any moment, what are you looking forward to? And you can't answer that question. You are missing spiritual elements of your life. You have to have something that you look forward to. Something genuinely fun that's coming up that you look forward to. Entertainment. Keep going. Ones you've never thought of until right now. Tell me, I know some of you have had this discussion before, but let me push you. Ones you've never thought about until right now. Rest. Hygiene. Fresh air. air. My body is connected. I love, what do we call this planet? Mother Earth. Mother Earth. And what does she call us? What does Earth call us? Her children. In the scriptures, Earth calls us. We are connected to this Earth. I need this Earth. And if I'm missing out on moments with this Earth, it's going to affect me spiritually. Safety. My physical body needs to feel safe. Hormone balance. Sometimes my body stops producing a hormone and that's going to affect me spiritually. Replacing those lost hormones. And by that, I mean, there are elements your body does not produce. Your body does not produce magnesium, but guess how, or or iron, and guess how much iron and magnesium your body needs to function properly. So if you're not putting it into your body and it's not producing it, you're not healthy and you're kinking your navel. This is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but then again, it's pretty wide, Um, but resistance. Yeah, I need something to push against me. My muscles only get strong when there is resistance. I don't need to seek that out. I just need to accept it and appreciate it. You will make, I just encourage you to continue this list throughout the rest of your life and understand that I am connected to heaven. And I thought reading the scriptures was how you increase your spirituality. Yeah, that's part of it. But taking better care of your body. Do you know what my body needs? Order. I can't stand chaos. I can't live in chaos. I can't live in chaos. I seek order because order brings spirituality to me. What do you need? What do you need? And what's missing? It bothers me. I I truly believe Satan has had his hand in confusing the word of wisdom so that we don't have these discussions. By mixing up the two layers, we minimize the word of wisdom and we don't have these discussions. And we don't talk about the things that I need. What do you need? What is missing? And what is kinking the navel? And what would bring health to your navel? James. So with our 
list, how would you suggest moving forward that and like asking that same question, what do I need and how do I dis- like discerning that? Uh, being aware. What's, if, you ever, <clears throat> if you ever noticed that if you ever buy a Toyota Corolla, what do you all this, a red Toyota Corolla, what do you start to notice? All the other Toyota Corollas on the road. By having the conversation in my head, by keeping it present in my head, I begin to start to do, have that phenomenon come in. I begin to notice when I feel sluggish and lacking and when I don't. I'll notice the moments where I feel really good. Okay, what are you doing that makes you feel really good? And you begin to notice all the red Toyota Corollas on the road and you begin to make the connections. And that's honestly why I get so worked up about that. I think Satan has corrupted our discussions on the word of wisdom so that we don't do that. And we don't make the connection. You know what? Getting out in the sun makes a huge difference in my day. Hydration is one we didn't talk about. I love that I see more and more people carrying you know, just make this my constant companion. This goes everywhere I go. Because I've learned that hydrating my body has a tremendous influence on my spirituality. Start to look for the Toyota Corollas. Start to talk about it. What is it that makes you feel healthy and spiritually connected to God? And we just need to talk more about it and discuss it. I would encourage you to wherever you keep notes, on your phone or on a piece of paper, to have a list and call it health in my navel items. And just add to it. And notice, what do you do that makes a difference? What time of the year do I feel the most healthy? What time of the day do I feel the most healthy? With whom do I feel the most healthy? Why? There is something that is kinking your navel. And the better you are at recognizing what it is, you will have health in your navel. Now that is layer one of the word of wisdom. Two weeks, we'll do layer two. I bear you my testimony. That there is, there is a mother in heaven. And I love to think that she's on the other end of that court. They both are. And I love to think of me as a child being fed as a baby. Everything I need. Hope joy that comes from them and it comes through a channel that I control you have far more control over your spirituality than you've ever thought open up that channel and let it in and I say that in the name of Jesus Christ amen Thank you for joining us for Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This has been class number 13, part one of the Word of Wisdom. As you ponder the principle of the Word of Wisdom, would you examine your life? What is your body telling you that you need to change? How are you slowing down the flow through your spiritual navel? 
What changes could you make in your life that would improve your physical health and therefore open up that channel of communication with your Heavenly Father and your Heavenly Parents? Would you discuss with a friend or someone in your inner circle what you've learned about taking care of the physical body and what you think you could do to improve the flow in that channel? Thank you.